Welcome to Co-op Cast, a podcast where we will discuss cooperative and solo board games. Join us as we talk about board games news followed by a discussion topic. My name's Steve and joining me today is someone new. I've got Howard with me. Hey Steve, how you doing? I'm so glad to be here. Really excited about this. Glad you could join. So I've been listening to the other podcasts since you guys started doing it. I love the podcast that I've heard, so I'm just glad to be be here uh, and part of this one. Glad you have me on. So uh, Colin is still busy moving, and Howard has offered to join me today on this podcast. And so we have a kind of interesting story going back. Uh, Howard and I, I'm trying to think of how we met, and I'll have, I'll have you elaborate a little more, Howard, but we actually met online through, I believe, was it Google Plus we talked about? I think it was Google Plus, which I never go back to anymore. But um, yeah, it's it was Google Plus. I think I was I was uh, you know just getting into board the board game hobby and just looking for people online to talk about it with. And Steve started. I I can't remember what the topic might have been. I think it'd be it's Robinson. Crusoe. Was it Robinson Crusoe? Okay, because mm-hmm. I know that's the first game we played together. And uh, or wait, no, 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 it wasn't. It was, I know we played that with uh, Weber together first time. I think we played it together for the first time as well, because I think, I, yeah, I set it up, and I think we were talking about trying to play remotely, and there were some questions on rules, and I was like, yeah, we'll sit down and play together, because I felt pretty comfortable on the rules at the time. Okay, okay, we played together, but then we played with Weber again later, because then you told me about your friend Correct. who had never lost at it. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. This is unbelievable. <laughs> So that's another one of our friends, uh, John. I don't know if you listen to podcasts or not, but uh, he he's a savant at Robson Crusoe. Uh, I think he's lost maybe once. Yeah, it's it's every, ridiculous. I feel like he's won every single game with that. I think I might have won <laughs> once. And I haven't played that much, but I, it's always been that first scenario, and it's. I think I've, I may have only done it once. I need to check my log. It's such a hard game. Yeah, so I guess we started playing. Uh, we we met on online doing a video chat, playing Robson Crusoe, and then trying to think what happened from there. We kind of just kept chit chatting, talking. We wound up having a uh, a chat online where we could chat twenty four seven, and then sometime later we talked about going to BGGCon. And uh, Howard actually lives, well, he's local basically to BGGCon. And he was super nice and offered to, for us to stay at his place. Some strangers, <laughs> me and John, even though we've been talking for like a year now, yeah. I think it was. Oh, that was a funny conversation. So John's like, John's like, oh, wait, this this stranger is asking us to stay at his house. We never met him. Is it, is it okay? I'm like, well, you kind of feel like we know him. Yeah, why not? What's, what's the worst that can happen? So, hey, it's, it's, you know, it's the inter- age of the internet. So these things are meant to happen now. But yeah, it was definitely a little weird at first. Like I remember when, even though we, it's like we've, it's almost like you, you know, like old school pen pals. Like you talk, you write each other, and you like have they're great friends. Like which is long distance, never met a person, so you have that first social situation where you actually meet each other. And we're like, do we? Do we, we're gonna hug, right? We're gonna hug. <laughs> like what's <laughs> up, man? <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was great. So. Yeah, that's the first time we ever met. It was like a year after Chit Chat for like a while there when you went to BGGCon, which um, you need to come back I, to. It's awesome, guys. Yeah, I need to get back to that. Um, if you haven't been to a con and you're really looking for a con that's great for just relaxing atmosphere and you can just play tons of games, BGGCon is amazing for that. Yeah, and this might be a little segue, but um, I think, you know, with the packs, I, I think packs being closer to you, I t- totally don't blame you because it sounds like 
it's the exact same thing. But, you know, for people who are closer to the to that area, it's also you're going to have the opportunity to experience something similar. So it's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to try out a few different cons because I've really only been to Gen Con a number of times now and BGG Con once. But I definitely want to get back to BGG Con and check out PAX as well. So there's so many conventions out there. So little and, time. And just more getting created all the time. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem is trying to get approval from yep. the wife, right? <laughs> to let you out. <laughs> I'm lucky. Mine's mine's in town, so I get. I'm, I'm already. Uh, I'm already having to work for that one. So. So yeah, this is how Howard and I met, and he wanted to join this this podcast to talk about some games and news and a discussion topic. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we've played recently. Jump into some news. We've got a few news topics to cover, and the discussion topic is going to be the stages of a board gamer. All right. Excited to talk about this. So go ahead and start us off, Howard. What have you been doing lately? I have been playing a few different things. So um, I'll start off by talking about Thunderstone Quest. Um, I never played the first version. Or uh, So before we go there, Thunderstone Quest, it's, it's a deck builder with a fantasy theme where you're essentially, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to build up a group of heroes uh, using your deck, and then you can also go adventuring into the dungeon. And then there's this is actually the third version of the series. They had you know the original Thunderstone, they had Thunderstone Advance that had multiple expansions, and then finally, I think it's been five years since then, and they came out with a Kickstarter last year where they had uh, Thunderstone Quest. So I actually didn't back it initially, uh, but then um, you know after the the campaign was over. I found out a little bit more about it. I um, saw that they had the pre-order system open, so that's how I ended up getting it. It's not available at retail yet. Um, I don't know what the retail version is actually going to look like because the one that came with the Kickstarter, if you at least the version that I got, it is just this giant box. I mean, it's like the thickness of Gloomhaven, but the you know it's a square size of a of a normal like Ticket to Ride box, but then it's like super thick. And the reason is because it has two levels. There's one level where it has all the cards, which it'll hold all the cards, plus even if it's sleeved, which I sleeve all my games, so this one it was sleeved, and and <laughs> and uh, it holds all the cards and has the dividers, and then on top of that, it has like some minis for your characters. And the difference with this one, so if you played Thunderstone before, you have a city and a uh, dungeon that you have to decide where you're going to go, and then you play your cards out depending on that. Originally, you have the city and you just, or the village, I mean, then you go to the village and then you just have um, things that you do, right? You can up upgrade your hero or you can buy some cards and build it into your deck. That's how you kind of make your deck better. But this one kind of has different spots where you can um, send, your, send your hero to so that they do something, something a little bit different. And then the dungeon, they kind of changed and made it to where it's actually... Before, just it was just this row of cards, and you basically just go deeper and deeper into that row. Whereas now, it's 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 a, a grid of it's a tile grid that can be changed up. There's a level one, level two, level three. There's multiple tiles, so every single time you can kind of have a different form format or sorry, different very uh, variety of the dungeon. Um, and the tiles of each level sometimes they have, they would have different abilities, right? So that's why. That, that's the advantage of having that tile system. So it makes it overall much more streamlined. Um, the original Thunderstone, sometimes you get into this, um, 
you, you have a bad combo of the cards that you that that comes out because it's it's Dominion style, right? It's not Ascension style where you just have a big deck of cards and you kind of just take the top one and put it out into this row and you just buy whatever's available. It's Dominion style where at the at the start of the game you have a predetermined set of cards that you buy from a pool that you buy from. It's kind of like Aeon's End as well. So, um, so so uh, so, but they they've streamlined it a lot because now. Even if you kind of get stuck, you have things to do always. And even with the dungeon side, having the different tiles and the different layouts, it makes it a lot better. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, Steve knows I'm a big, big uh, fan of deck building. It's one of my favorite mechanics. You say deck builder and I'm, I'm there. So, uh, <laughs> so, so this one I'm really enjoying. I've tried to play it with anybody who's interested right now. So do you play this mostly solo or how with other people? No, so so they have um this is it's co- it's competitive and they're supposed to be releasing solo rules. Um honestly, I the solo rules with Thunderstone Advance was okay, like you know, sometimes they have solo that's that's built for solo, right? This is that felt like a, an add-on that's just like, hey, you can play solo too, but then you play it and it's like it's not that interesting. Um an, another uh, an example of that for me is is Clank, right? Clank actually they build the app to play solo. But when you play Clank solo, it's just it's really boring cuz you don't have anyone to race with. So you it's like, you know, you're you're racing yourself and it's just not fun. So that's kind of what I feel about it, but maybe this one will be better. Do you have the other versions of Thunderstone as well? Uh I I had advanced, but I actually got rid of it at BGGCon last year. So um called it cuz I knew this was coming and there's just no reason for me to uh, to have both well that size of that box too kind of need to make some room <laughs> yeah exactly and i recently uh, uh reorganized my room so that was definitely needed and but i'll tell you the um i had i had sleeved all of those so i got those i i was i was in the hobby when advance came out i think there was only a couple sets out so i started sleeving them it's kind of like steve you and i with legendary we have, uh, you know, you, you start out with that base set. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll sleeve this because, you know, it's it's not a problem, right? It's just a little bit. And you sleeve it and then you have all these expansions that come out. And you're like, well, I sleeve the base set. Now I have to sleeve everything else. <laughs> so, so, and it's that rabbit hole. And then you have, all of a sudden I have all this, all this, this whole entire, I mean, there's thousands of cards and with all the, between all the expansions. And then I, uh, I, I hate unsleeving, Steve. Like, I can't sell it with the sleeves just because it's basically a sunk cost right they're not going to pay for the sleeves they're not going to pay any extra for the sleeves so i'm like i want to keep these sleeves so then you know when you sleeve at least you're 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 getting excited about the game right you're like oh i can't wait to play this game (laughs) unsleeving there is no reason to unsleeve you're just it's it's just a chore oh yeah i totally understand that so (laughs) cool um what else have you been up to any other games you've been playing yeah, um, I've also been playing uh, Imperial Assault app. All right. <laughs> so, so okay, I will. I, 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 we've talked about this before. I love Imperial Assault. Right, it was my number one game until um, until Gloomhaven last year. So, um, we we used to play a, a campaign with with John that we talked about earlier. He he was the he was he was the Imperial, and we'd ask you to play over Hangouts, right? Just like. Um, just like we did with Robinson Crusoe, we played over Hangouts, the Google Hangouts, and then 
Um, I would always be running the board, and then John would run the Imperial. And so I played a lot of the one versus all. I played some of the skirmish, which um, I also enjoy, but um, skirmish is, is, you know, you have to get into the meta. You have to play all the other all the, all the people, and uh, I, that, that's not really my style. So um, I never played skirmish as much, but then, um, you know, ever since... Ever since this the Descent app came out, we've been I've been saying, "Where's the Imperial Assault app? Where's the Imperial Assault app? Where's the Imperial Assault app?" And you know, a year and a half later, they well, a year later, they announced it at Gen Con. We got all excited and and um and and couldn't wait for it to come out. And then it was crickets for another year. Then finally, you know, last year they came out with one, and it's it was kind of I mean, at, on the one hand, it was like, "Yay, it's here!" And then on the other hand, it's like. Well, it's not really a full campaign, so I, I was I'm, I'm excited and I'm very happy that it's out. But at the same time, I'm like, where's that full campaign? You know, but so I haven't been. I, I booted it up when it first came out and just try, tried it out just to see what it felt like. I actually skipped the training scenario and I just jumped straight into the the main campaign. And then um, after I heard you were playing it, Steve, and I can't remember where you told me, but you're talking about how the train. The training when you played completed that that actually carried into the campaign itself. So I was like, okay, maybe I should try the training, and I'm I'm glad I went back and tried it again because um, there's definitely things that I um, that I appreciated from what seeing that the the way that the training was laid out. So like I love the way that after after a mission you go into that kind of um, that map of the galaxy. And then you can go in. You can choose kind of what allies you want to go for, and then um, and then you, you can go into side mission, and then you come back to that that main mission. That I really appreciated. And then I don't know if I like the way it's upgraded, uh, Steve. I so you know how um, so so normally you play a game and you uh, in in a, in a like a normal campaign, like non app campaign, you you get the you get experience points based on how you do do in the campaign. And then you use those XP to buy the the cards that are uh, that you have within your within each character uh, uh, path, right? Upgrade path. The way the app does it is at least what I've seen so far. Once you complete one, you unlock level one. Then you complete next next one, you can unlock level two. Once you unlock level two, you can choose another level one card, but then you you only get that one level one card. So I appreciate what they're doing because you, you're not you don't have as much choice. You don't have to like be you know, get AP over what, what you want, how you want to upgrade. But at the same time, I liked how the, normally you have the flexibility to save up for a big power if you wanted to. Oh, I completely agree. I, th- I have the same issues with the, how the leveling up works. So yeah, it's, I mean, at one point it's kind of nice that you can, you can choose to change your loadout essentially, your level up before each mission, but you still are stuck with, one level one, one level two, one level three, one level four card if you make it all the way. And it's like, uh, sometimes I want to mix and match. Like I want two level threes and a level one. And you just, it's not open for that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, completely agree. And the med packs, I realized I actually did incorrectly. So I was going to say I don't like the med pack system because I part of the puzzle of managing your character within Imperial Assault was you know, knowing when to rest, you know, that key decision of resting and, you know, how many, how much managing your stamina pool and how much health you get back. I was, I really liked that part of, of Pearl Assault, but um, with the med packs, it kind of removes that, I feel. But maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm having, I haven't done it correctly, so I, I won't say that yet. And what was your feedback there? What was your thoughts there? 
I actually really like the med packs. Um, I felt like it helped balance it out a little bit because you can always just rest up and you can heal up pretty easily in that game. And I felt like this made it a little more challenging to heal. And Ooh, it's hard okay. to say that, though, because when I played the, the Imperial Assault app, I chose to play as the medical droid. So I had a lot of healing at my disposal anyway. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that guy's cool. He's Yeah, he was fun. Uh, oh, I was going to say all of the... Really, like, you know how, um, you know, you, I know you guys have been talking about Spirit Island, and that's another game I really enjoy. But you know how with Spirit Island, you always have, like, every single spirit just seems is, is fun to play. Uh-huh. And I feel that with all of, I've played most of the ones from the base game, or at least played with, like, someone who else was also playing it. Or um, at least through the first few expansions, because I, I was trying to work my way through them. And I, I think all the characters are really, really well designed, and most of them have been pretty... All the ones I played are really fun just to figure out how to use them effectively. Oh, definitely. And can't beat the theme. I mean, love Star Wars right. theme, so that yes. helps so much. Absolutely. What have you? What about you, Steve? What have you been playing? Yeah, so I mentioned this on the last podcast, and I started started up again, but I started getting back into Sword and Sorcery. So I did finish the first, first act, and... My buddy Elijah and I, uh, we've been playing through it together as a two-player game. We decided to do these the side quests, and this is a, it's not a published side quest. It's one that you print off yourself, but it's called Arcane Portals. And I think it's only like four or five camp quests in there, and I'm not sure if you play through all of them or there's some, some decision splits in there, but we played the first one of that just recently, and this also included a new Wave 2 content that came in. And that was actually really, really fun. The story and how they tie in the narrative and the choices you make in the game, especially in this new side quest, was probably my favorite quest I've played so far of this of the system. That's good to hear. Yeah, I I I um I backed it, and I again I know we've uh, we've talked about this previously, but um, just for the listeners, I did back Sword and Sorcery, and um and I I decided to to call it also. Um, just because I wasn't playing, I had I felt like I had enough dungeon crawlers at that point. So what? Um, There's too many dungeon crawlers out there now. <laughs> there, it's getting there, Steve. <laughs> I used to be like that. It's like I love dungeon crawlers, give it to me. But now it's like I always have so much time to play this stuff. So I don't know if I'm always going to play that. So I think you're rid of it. So so is this? Does do the two acts tie in together? Do you have do your characters continue to improve from Act One? Yeah, so I haven't gotten to Act Two yet, but as far as I know, yes, they they continue continue the next one. We uh, we played through the first act completely before receiving the Wave Two content. And when I say Wave Two content, this is from backers. They weren't able to ship everything in one one shipment, so they actually broke it up, and that's what Wave Two is referring to. And this is normally the new expansion stuff. If you happen to back everything, it's like all the bells and whistles, and so that came relatively recently i want to say like a, I don't know like four months ago or something like that i don't know exactly yeah, it's at the beginning of the year beginning of the year yeah oh perfect thank you yes you're right it was beginning of the year so i've incorporated that into my set and the nice thing is you can play with that stuff uh regardless of what quest you're on so now we're finally able to see more of this and it's it's added a lot to it and i'm really enjoying some of these changes mm. for example uh, one thing about Sword and Sorcery is between each quest, you can go into town, essentially. And in mm-hmm. town, there are there's a few buildings. And the base game, I think you have maybe two buildings only you can go to. And now I feel like you have like six or so. And they're all pretty interesting. You go to a wizard's tower and, and change your 
your powers you cho- chosen. You can go into a couple inns, you can go gambling. You can go to a, I think it's like an, a guard tower and actually hire a companion to follow you in the next quest. Hmm. So it's pretty interesting. You go, oh, the other thing that just happened recently, uh, you can go to a, a temple and pray to a god, and the god has a chance of blessing you. In fact, in the game, now there's a new rule where you can go to these shrines, and these shrines are essentially respawn points. And you can spend an action to pray there. And these blessings are one-time powerful effects. And you can get them again later. But they're, only one character can have them. And they're, they're pretty cool. So. so these are all new cards that, are, that, that came in the second set? Correct. Yep. Does everything still fit in the base box and the dragon box? Or is there another box there? <laughs> I don't know. I have trouble fitting all together. I managed to I fit think mo- so. most of the cards into the base box. and I, But I need to really consider about changing up the inserts so i feel like that company uh it's aries right they they have a problem with uh i mean i i guess you know depending on how you look at it right at least from my perspective the the awesome thing about a a custom molded insert is how awesome everything fits back into the box the bad thing about a custom molded insert is as soon as there's an expansion it's useless and i'm running into that right now with clank um, actually backed a a, a Kickstarter on uh, a Kickstarter project to to get a Clank you know nice insert and then uh, Galaxy Defenders right the other the the pre the game that that they made prior to Sword and Sorcery had the exact same problem and I ended up with like three different boxes and I was just like I, I I'm like I don't I don't want to play it because I don't want to deal with three boxes so <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. So, uh, Howard, have you been playing something else? Yeah, um, the other thing I've been playing, which um, I know Colin's covered in in uh, on the on the channel, uh, is uh, Zaya. Um, and Zaya, I backed on Kickstarter originally when it came out, and played it and enjoyed it. I think the thing to know about Zaya is that it is complete Ameritrash, right? When I say Ameritrash, I mean. It is a. It's just a luck fest. You got to know when you're going into this game, you're just gonna. You're 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 having an adventure, right? So as long as you're okay with that, <laughs> then that game is awesome. But if you're going in there expecting balance or you know um, strategy or anything like that, which you can't have strategy, but you can have some pretty bad dice rolls, and it's that that strategy is out the door. So um, I played it recently with the new expansion. That I finally got to the to the table, tried to figure out all the um, the, the new rules, and um, I think it is better. Uh, the they have this new market board, which before in the original game, I guess you could um, have somebody who who got a good trade route because in, the, in this game, you it's basically sandbox space exploration. You can be um, you can be an explorer and get points. You can uh, you can pick up and deliver and get points you can get missions and complete those missions and get points you can go around and blow everybody up and get points you can roll a d20 and get a 20 and you can get a point for that so it that's the kind of game it is and um this this new expansion does have some some things that they've added uh to make to mitigate some of that luck now you still have to get enough money to buy these things to to, to make the, your game a little bit better but it definitely does help and I, I i like it um i do like it more and even though it's like i was actually playing this weekend and i had 
I was having a terrible time, right? I was just rolling crappy. I had I went through an asteroid field, and uh, and, uh, and here's a fl- here's a here's a, a taste of what the game offers, right? You roll a d twenty. If you're going through an asteroid field, you get to go into the asteroid field, but on that d twenty roll, if you roll eleven through twenty, you're good. Nothing happens. You you you're, you flew through the asteroid field, and you're an awesome pilot. You roll one through ten, you're going to get that amount of damage on your ship. And if you if your ship has you know is full full up with damage, then you blow up, and then um, you have to come back like brand new. So re- resetting is actually not that bad, but at the same time, it's still you, you're losing stuff, right? You're starting over. So it's uh it's just a it's a crazy game. Um, I do enjoy it though, but again, you have to just be in the right mindset to play it. I want to play it sometime because I I do enjoy Merchants and Marauders. That's another game I have. It's not co op or or anything here, uh, but I feel like. That style play where you kind of have this open world, you can do different paths and stuff. I feel like that's Zaya, but Zaya Space. Yeah, is awesome. it, it is. It is similar to Merchants, but I still feel like Merchants there is more strategy. Zaya, here's another me- mechanic you can go with Zaya, right? So just to show what kind of game it is, you could go into a. Um, you, you're exploring space. You have these like hexagon tiles that are they're large hex hex tiles. And you can explore an edge of space, right? Once you get to the edge of a board, you can say, I want to explore. And normally, you have to take an action to do that and stop, right? Because you might waste some movement points. But you can just sometimes just go, oh, I'm just going to go in blind. And most of the time, that might be okay. But there's this one tile called Zaya. And the Zaya is the sun of the, of, the, of the system, of the galaxy. And if you go in blind, you're dead. So. I love that. <laughs> Thematically awesome. It's, it's, it's just a it's a crazy game, but it's 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 fun. I enjoy it. But um, oh, I do have one major gripe is that the rule book. I'm not a big fan of the rule book. It makes you. It's one of those where it doesn't really flow. The actions, the the player sequence, and the things that you can do is like in the middle of the book, like two or three pages after setup. In in between, there's some random rules. And I don't really know how they how they decided to put that together, but I'm I'm always flipping through like through that rulebook when I'm playing because I, I don't always play back to back either. So coming back and having to figure out how how everything works again, I'm, I always have a rough time with that rulebook. But otherwise, it's it's a blast. What about you, Steve? What else you got playing? So the other game I played recently is Firefly Adventures. So this is a relatively new game from Gale Force Nine, and it's based upon the Firefly IP. And I, my gosh, I love that show. So when I heard that they were coming out with a cooperative board game based upon that show, very interested. And then I heard that it had stealth mechanic in there, kind of. And I am a huge sucker for anything with a stealth type mechanic in it. I was, I was sold. And I was actually fortunate enough to sit down at Gen Con last year and try this out um, with a demo with uh, my brothers with me too. And we actually really enjoyed it. So when it came up on pre-order, I went ahead and pre-ordered it, um, even without reading the rule book, and uh, came and yeah, I played it a few times now, but just recently is the first time I played with my wife. So it's kind of an interesting game. It's a uh, it could be played uh, scenario wise, so just one game at a time, or it could do a campaign where you choose what missions you want to go on. It's, and what I mean by that is most campaign games you have like hey, here's an intro scenario. Scenario one, then you go into scenario two, scenario three. It's not like that at all. You can choose, hey, I feel like starting with this scenario first and this scenario second. And there's actually a little bit of strategic choice between those, how you want to approach those. Do you 
per, does, do your characters improve in between? Uh, they can because you have X amount of money and as you do jobs, you'll get more money. You can go buy more stuff. So you'll improve with gear you have and you can uh, have a maximum of four gear. Sorry, Steve. I'm sighing because this game sounds cool. I really want to play it and I, I own it because you were telling me about it. And I was like, this sounds cool. I want to get it. And I pre-ordered it. I've just been struggling with I don't I don't know where to start, Steven. I think you, you, you know, you, you did the demo and I, I'm jealous of that, but. I think you need to demo it for me sometime. <laughs> yeah, so I think what you're hitting at is what I've heard a lot online is the rule book, and I agree with the statement, is actually pretty horrible. Um, there's typos in it and stuff like that, and the flow of it is it's not it's not good. Well, I, I'm I just get confused on where to start. That's where and I and I know, you know, they have so they have the rule book and then the rule book has you have the scenarios, right? Each each scenario is like a like an individual sheet with a front and back with what how you set up the map and then i guess with the you know the 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 other things you set up on the map and then you know on the other side it just gives you the instructions on on the the word instructions on the setup but still i'm like i don't know where to start like i don't even know which scenario is the intro scenario and like i know you said that's kind of sometimes a bad thing but i'd like at least an intro like what tell me what i need to do like that's where i'm lost right now I've heard that from a few different people actually online where they would have liked to have like a short just yeah. training scenario just like just get your feet wet. So that could it, it could really help with that. Um the other thing about the rule book is there's rules that I think were omitted that really should have been there in the first place. There's a lot of ambiguity in there and at times. And I know sometimes they're like, yeah, in the rule book says, yeah, go ahead and decide this for yourself. Make sure it makes sense and that I'm okay with that for the most part, but still I wish they would have done a little better job of the rule book. Now, that said, if they were to improve the rulebook, come with a second printing of it or something with a better rulebook or a new one online, I think this game would be actually pretty good. Did you say it was Gale Force 9? Gale Force 9, yes. Yeah, and they're they're pretty, you know, they're pretty solid. So that and that's another reason why I was uh willing to to jump in not, you know, not knowing not having played it or anything. So um it's a little surprising, but yeah, hopefully if it seems like it, it's an easy, it's um, pretty simple fix, you know, yeah. to make that yeah. second edition rulebook available and most people should be happy with an electronic version. I know I would. I would too, for sure. And they have an FAQ out there, which helped a ton, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to, uh, while I get into too much detail, kind of how the game plays is it's all objective based with missions and you have a time track you keep track of. So... Every action you do with the character, you'll move. It costs X amount of time. You move down the time track, and whoever's at the front of the time track will take the next turn. So it's a lot about action time management. And in addition to that, each character, each hero at least, or I guess crew member in this case, has two states. They can be either casual, where they're you know not causing any issues. They kind of walk around town. Everyone kind of ignores them. NPCs ignore them too. And then at some point, they go into heroic mode where they can do awesome awesome feats and everything, but now the NPCs will come after you. So it's a lot of like, do I go in heroic mode uh, now so I can do this really cool test, but then this NPC might see me and come after me, and then if you take out NPCs, they they actually, you put down a body token, and you have to actually hide the body tokens around, so it's a little bit splinter cellist in that regard. So I don't know. I'm enjoying it for what it is, and I'm, I'm quite happy with it from a gameplay perspective. And I actually did pre-order the expansions, but I do wish the rule play the rule book was improved. You didn't mention the coolest part about this, Steve. What's that? The the 
or all the little boxes that are in the game that hold your bits convert into the map and the buildings on the map, including the bottom of the box. I thought that was super Thank you. cool. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to mention that. You're exactly right. So what this game is, this game actually has 3D buildings in it. And you're right, the bottom of the box is a building. So you actually move around this this 3D terrain, essentially. It kind of gives a cool feeling of line of sight where you like, peek around corners and having a gunfight. Because, you know, Firefly is a little bit of a Wild West theme going on there. The one negative I'll say about that, like the coolness factor is on the table presence are really neat. But I find myself having to stand up quite a bit on the uh, table, which I stand up anyway while I play from a lot of my games because I, I don't know, I'm kind of weird that way. <laughs> but you will have visibility issues, like li- literally visibility issues at times. We have to look over the, the wall of a building to see what's going on. That's interesting. Yeah, it almost makes it like a, like a miniatures game. A little bit, but it's, this is definitely still a board game category right. for sure. Right, right, right. So we've been talking about recent play games quite a bit, and we're going to move on to some news now. There's a few games I want to cover. The first one I want to talk about is Blight Chronicles Agent Decker. So I'm not. there's not a whole lot of information about this game, but what it is, it's a solo deck builder, so that should pique Howard's interest. Absolutely. And it also has a stealth mechanics that piques my interest, so I had to throw this in the podcast. <laughs> so... Yeah, so Steve, I, 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 you know, you, you had the show notes. So I was looking through some of these, and um, I wanted to have li- at least some feedback on some of them. And this one, I, I exactly it. I saw solo deck builder, and I was like, oh my god! And I actually, I started um, putting a my own kind of like height meter, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going with a four 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 point system. And this one was a three, and mainly it's a three because I don't I don't know this company, right? That's I haven't heard of this company before, and then um, but it's a solo deck builder. I was like, oh my god! But then I saw the art. I started looking at it. There's a there's a preview for somebody on for from um, um, one of the Dice Tower guys on uh, uh, on YouTube, and and some of the art the art made me drop it to a two, Steve. I mean, solo deck builder. I'm definitely still interested, but um, yeah, the the art was. Uh, it didn't look too good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was pretty excited about this and I was looking into it. I looked at and I saw some pictures of the art recently and it's like I'm not feeling it. It's not I mean, it's not bad art. It's just when when I was listening or reading the description and what appeared in my mind and what I saw on the board, it yep. it didn't match. Exactly. It it and and I mean it if it's a still good game, it's it's gonna I think it'll do well. But really, right. I mean, think about where we're where we're at today, right? I mean, everybody says it's the golden age of board games, and I, and I think I agree with that. Just because there's so much coming out, and there's only so many people playing it, and they only have so many dollars. So, and and those game these games are look look fantastic, right? So, I don't know if they want to stay competitive. I, I'm hoping that I don't know if this one's going on Kickstarter, but if they do, I'm hoping that they have some stretch goals that improves that art because it's it's pretty. It's pretty bad. I think this one is coming on Kickstarter, and that's why I have in the news. I think it's supposed to be relatively soon, either not later this month okay. or early next. I'm not positive on that, yeah. but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. And that was uh, Blight Chronicles Agent Decker. Yeah, I, I was actually a little upset when I when I saw Solo Deck Builder. I was like, dang it, Steve. You, I don't want to <laughs> spend any money on these Kickstarter games, but Solo Deck Builder, you got me. The other game I'll mention is a new game called Darklight Memento Mori. And this is a goth dungeon crawl. I My understanding is it's only been released out in Europe. It hasn't made it to the States yet. 
but I was, I mean, goth and the horror, not really my thing. Dungeon Crawls, very cool, but there's a ton of them. But when I was looking at this game, it looked like it was more towards a classic RPG with a lot of content in it. Maybe not Gloomhaven-esque amount of content, because I'm not sure any game can reach that levels <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but still looked worthy looking into. Huh. I I, uh, I think you add this one pretty late, so I didn't get a chance to look into this. Darklight sounds familiar. I want to say that's a video game, but I'm not positive. But it does sound interesting. A goth goth dungeon crawl? I'm, I'm curious. Yep, so that was Darklight Memento Mori. Okay, and the next game I want to talk about is currently on Kickstarter, and this is called The Faceless. It is a two to four player cooperative game, and it's kind of an interesting theme, kind of, I don't know, maybe a little creepy theme too, because you're trying to navigate a diary to retrieve memories, and that's because there's this beast or monster out there that kidnaps kids, and it feeds on those memories, and the only way to rescue the kids is by reviving or retrieving those memories. So it's kind of got this weird, dark kind of tone to it. But if you look at the art, it looks kind of, I don't know, doesn't look dark at all. It looks kind of family friendly. So I'm not sure where they're going with this. I mean, I guess you may be able to describe this game without getting to that theme. If you're kind of worried about kids kind of being freaked out and still make it family friendly. I'm not really sure. But the interesting thing about this game, it's got a little fun gimmick where you play cards and each of these minis that are around this board, they all have magnets in them. So you will be able to move your mini around and rotate the mini. And there's a compass that's in this board, in the middle of the board. And these magnets will change the magnetic field, which will change the direction of the compass. And the direction the compass needle points is where the compass actually moves. And you're trying to move this compass around this board to land on these memories and, and capture them. And there's also obviously enemy enemies that pop on there too. And as you move this compass along this these paths... It'll hit other magnetic fields. Will change its direction. So it's a lot of like planning out the strategy and manipulating these magnetic fields. It seems kind of cool, actually. Is my mind's a little blown right now, Steve? It's like you just describe a thematic, abstract magnet game. Like I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head over. I don't even know what to say. This is, I'm, I'm intrigued, but at the same time, this is just, this is wild. I. I I'm definitely interested. I don't know if I'm interested to, enough to back it, but it does look pretty cool. The, some of these these minis are, uh, you know, I don't know if they're already modeled, but they look really good. Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat where I'm pretty interested in this game, like looking into it. I'm not, I'm probably not going back it, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I definitely something want to try. I'm really curious how that that magnet magnetic field works and like learning that puzzle. Because it, I, I agree with you. It does feel like it's an almost an abstract puzzle, but with this thematic overlay on top of it. So yeah, pretty cool. So if you're interested in that, that is the faceless. The Kickstarter ends May 11th, and it's already funded. The next game I want to talk about is Brook City. In this game, you're one to four players playing as cops trying to solve crimes, and this is based upon the classic action movie cops. So when I look at this game, kind of read about it, I get the feeling of Lethal Weapon type theme it seems pretty cool actually it does sound interesting steve the uh the the classic action movie cop uh theme is definitely unique and you know anybody that's anyone that's grown up in the the 80s and 90s will immediately think of like lethal weapon maybe die hard or yep or even uh i don't know it was the one with Jackie Chan and, and Chris Tucker. Rush, Rush Hour. Hour. Oh, my God. Yes, Rush Hour. So it's like these buddy cop movies, like going around a city trying to track track the criminals down. That sounds cool. 
I gave this one it's a, it's a two out of four hype meter for me just because um, again unknown company I'm, I'm, I'm going to be mediocre on it until I see some reviews definitely on my radar I mean the Sadler brothers did this on the oh yeah they did uh, Walking Dead oh yes Walking Dead recently you're yep. right and they did Tie X-Wing they were involved with oh they X-Wing. did X-Wing yeah they, they wait am I am I thinking uh, yeah they're like Adam Sadler right and which I, I remember them one of them's named Adam yeah, I remember that because it sounds so much like Adam Sandler. And <laughs> yeah, they worked on um, the X-Wing, the, the Final Fantasy, uh, the Fantasy Flight X-Wing game. And The Walking Dead actually has some of that those dice mechanics. Like the focus mechanic that you have in X-Wing is in Walking Dead. And, uh, and, and oh, I didn't know this was them. That, that definitely puts it up a notch. Yeah, definitely. And then the publisher's Blacklist game, so... Yeah, that was the part I was like, I, I haven't heard of them, so... <laughs> I haven't either, but... Seems interesting. Uh, cool theme. Love the theme, because I've always i been looking for a, I don't know, kind of modern police theme like that. Yeah. I know Police Precinct's out, and I've been, I haven't played that one. What am I trying it out? But this one really caught my attention. And this one, I believe, is coming out late April, potentially, because we're recording this. It hasn't been out yet, but it's been rumored to be an april kickstarter so maybe they're gonna be delayed a little bit might be may i'm not sure but it should be coming out really soon that was brook city the next game i'll mention is pax emancipation so this is another pax game if you're not familiar with pax uh this is a series created by phil Eklund, who is makes some pretty heavy games with some pretty awesome themes so this one is a one to three player game and you're taking the role of a abolitionist in the age of enlightenment and you're trying to stop slavery try- through uh, slave revolts, underground railroads, blockade ports, and a bunch of others. So this one sounded kind of cool. I have not played a PAX game yet, but I, I, I'm always fascinated by Phil Eklund's choice in themes, and this one really caught my attention. Uh, I think that's a really cool concept. So, Steve, I, I tuned out after you said PAX. Um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest, like this one, these these types of games are not my, you know, in my wheelhouse at all. I... I know, like, I think you, you tell this game, you mentioned this game to, like, our buddy John, and he'll be like, oh my god, you know, PAX, blah, 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 but um, for me, it's, uh, you know, he lost me, although I know I know Phil Eklund, you know, I d- definitely respect his work, but at the same time, and, and this top, this theme seems interesting, and I will do a quick mention of um, some, like, a game like Freedom, I honestly, I, I, I had no interest in playing that game, because that game, that theme was so heavy, and I generally am not interested in these type of um, historical, you know, games. But I played Freedom, and it's it's an amazing game. I ended up buying it, even though you know, again, this these are the type, norm, my normal type of the games. But it was just so good, I had to. I felt like I had to own it, and um, and so I, I, you know, maybe I'll try this out if someone really wanted to play it. But it's not something I'm gonna go seek out. But uh, I'm still curious to hear how it is, you know, when it comes out. Yep, it's fair. Yeah, so this one's a one to three player solo cooperative or competitive, I think, and uh, pre-order should be up pretty soon. And they're targeting an Essen release. So Howard, I think uh, you had a news article you wanted to specifically mention. Yes. Yeah, so I have. Um, I wanted to mention this. I thought this was really interesting, just to let everyone know. And this is this actually isn't a it, it again isn't a co-op or solo type of game, but it. <gasps> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I know. I, I I play other kinds of games. I'm sorry. Um, the the uh, uh, if 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 
anyone is not familiar with Red Raven Games, there's a gentleman by the name of Ryan Lockett, and he is pretty amazing. There's a few people in the industry that, you know, if you're a board gamer and you know this and you follow the hobby for a while, you just know their names because they're just so amazing. Um, and Ryan Lockett is definitely one of them. He is um, he 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 owns Red Raven Games. He is not only well, number one. He's the the in the past historically, this company has always gone through Kickstarter. He's had I don't know a, a dozens at this point of games that go through Kickstarter. You know they started out kind of um, not as big, but he's been growing his his reputation, and now every single Red Raven game does does pretty well. And um, he's done things like Above and Below, Near and Far. If you if you if anyone anyone has heard of that. The, the thing that kind of makes him really stand out is not only is he the um, he manages all the projects himself, he designs all of the games himself, and he draws all of the games himself, and he's good at all of those things. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know how anybody can do that, but this guy is, is pretty amazing. So they're actually – the reason why the, I, I wanted to talk about this is they are, um, for the first time – not using Kickstarter, and not only not using Kickstarter, they're going straight to retail, and they're they're creating a Target exclusive game. Um, it's going to go through Target, and um, it's going to be a pusher like fighting game set in a video game world. It's still uh, going to be illustrated and designed by him, but it, I think the, the the what he's trying to do is getting his brand to that that um, mass mass audience right so um i think it's really interesting i'm very curious to see how this turns out i'm hoping it works out well for him and then that more people will know who uh red raven games is because he definitely deserves it that sounds really cool but what's the name of the game i'm sorry it is (laughs) (laughs) you don't need to know that that's a blooper red raven (laughs) the game is uh is is megaland so now let's move on to the discussion topic so this is something howard suggested and i think it was a really cool topic to discuss but stages of a board gamer like and what we mean by that is how do you classify where you are when you learn about and get into the hobby because i think we all have different paths and journeys how we got into it but i think there's some similarities between it and so what we've kind of done is i've kind of taken a stab at what i think I would suggest the stages to be, and Howard has has his own uh, stages. So I think we'll just compare and contrast and talk about talk about uh, how we got into this stuff. Yeah, and Steve, just to kind of uh, elaborate on why I think you know why why this I think this discussion topic is is good. So you know whether you're someone who's been playing for a long time, been in the hobby for a long time, and you'll hear these stages and be like, oh yeah, I remember when when I went through that, right? Or if you're just coming new to the hobby for the first time and you know you're 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 hearing about all these stages there you'll and you and you know this is a board game hobby right we're we're in this to play games with other people and when you're sitting around the table whether you're sitting around with your group of friends or some people at a meetup or some people uh, at a bar right that you're playing your games with sometimes i think this might help to while, while you're playing with them to kind of get a feel for what stage this these other people may be in, and that might help you uh, better understand them. That's a great point, Howard. So let's jump into the first stage. Sure. So, uh, Steve, the 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 approach I kind of took is um, I 
I actually, so going back to when I, I started out the hobby, I actually found an article. I think it was either on Reddit or somewhere where they, they, they went through the stages, right? And at the time I was brand new to the hobby and I was like, Okay, I guess I'm 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 here. I'm a, probably a newbie. And then oh, there's all these other stages. And then um, I, I kind of just at that point I just kind of read it and just kind of moved on, right? But that this and but then now I've, I've kind of progressed since then. And then that's why we wanted to to talk through this. And stages that I'm going to go through are going to be based on that that article that I found. So there's actually articles online that there's multiple people talking about it, and I think that's general alignment around or the general consensus around what these stages are. So I'm kind of I want to talk. I'm going to be talking through those stages, and Steve's essentially match um, kind of lines up with that in in some respects, but it's it's more personal um, from his perspective. So I think we'll we'll the the compare and contrast will come through that as well. So the first one is blissfully oblivious, and for me that was. Prior to 2012, because, you know, I have pre-board game life and post-board game life. And pre-board game life, I've always loved games. I've been, ever since I was little, I've, I've loved uh, video games. Got into PC games, um, you know, Xbox, PS4, all that stuff, right? I, I love that. At the first stage, just basically, you don't know anything about board games, right? Or if you do, it's just um, the ones that you see at Target or Walmart. Or, or whatever. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, when I was trying to do this without referencing the article, my first stage I listed was mainstream, and that was kind of the same concept where you really don't know anything about the modern board game hobby. I'll, I'll refer to it as, but you're familiar with you know growing up with Candyland and yeah. Scrabble, sorry, and all, Monopoly, all the ones we're yep. familiar with. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> so that was my number one. Just you know, only really knowing what's been presented to you in, from the mainstream media. I agree with that. So what's uh, stage two? Stage two is discovery. So, uh, you just found out about a hobby, about the hobby from a friend or online. You kind of like the, this idea of not just this mainstream, you know, you just roll some dice, you move your thing on a board. Okay. Boring. Like who wants to do that unless, you know, you have nothing else, nothing better to do. But then now you, you, you find out about this whole other, you know, it's grown, right? The, the, Games have grown up since since we were along with us, right? We're now adults, and then all these new games have been coming out, and all of a sudden you find out about, it and you're like, "Oh my god!" Your your mind's kind of blown, and you just want to you're not sure where to start. Um, for me personally, uh, this was this was around the time that I had uh, my my daughter, my first uh, child, and she was really little, you know, and I was still playing video games, but at the same time. When I found out about the hobby, which actually was from uh, uh, a tabletop, right? A lot Will Wheaton's tabletop, which I think a lot of people, um, or at least I hear this a lot, where you know people's like, "Oh, tabletop, that's just you know that that it's a crappy show or whatever." But you know, at the same time, I, I, I it, it's a special place for it for me because that's actually how I got into the hobby. I found this video on YouTube, and I knew Will Wheaton from Star Trek, and uh, the guild, right? So, so he's someone that is a big personality that, you know, it's like, okay, I'll watch this. And it's like, oh, this looks like fun. And I ended up getting the, uh, small world was my mate, my first hobby game that I got into and, you know, thought it was a blast. And, and that's where I started jumping into YouTube, watching more tabletop, uh, found dice tower, found, uh, um, Board Game Geek, trying to figure out how to use Board Game Geek. Uh, I think we've all been through that. Found Reddit, um, you know, Board Game Sub on Reddit. 
Um, so discovery that was that was discovery for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely agree with that stage. But when I was laying this out, I kind of broke it broke it up a little bit. Where my second stage was modern introduction, like the first time you're introduced to a modern board game. And I guess for me, I felt like there was a distinction between being introduced to the hobby and having it grab hold mm-hmm. of you. Like I, I feel like for some people you don't necessarily get from the second to third stage I'm talking about here where yeah, you'll be introduced to them. That's cool. You are you appreciate that, hey, these games have more depth and more there's more tomb than the mainstream that you're used to. But that doesn't always result to them being more aware of the hobby, just whatever is being introduced to them. And my third one is about awareness, where I find Wargame Geek site and learn about Kickstarter, learn about all these Reddit feeds and all these YouTube videos, and that's where that's where you get really deep yep. in the hobby, trying to navigate all the information out there. You're right, though, Steve. I, I didn't think about it, but there's definitely a branching path there, right? And we, I think that's another phase, and you know, no one, not everyone's going to continue through all these phases because um, at least most won't. I think. Um, these most of these phases would apply to um, us as alpha gamers, right? The people who have gone into that awareness stage and you know are interested in finding out more versus the ones who your buddies who okay, yeah, I, that's a cool game, yeah, I'm good with it though. You know, it's like I don't need to, I don't need to know more, I don't need to own any more. Um, you know, as long as as long as I'm friends with Steve, I'm good. You know, we can we can play whatever whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I I will admit that this is the stage we're talking about is my favorite transition stage. I when you introduce that modern game to someone and it really clicks for them, you see that excitement or that light bulb shine yeah. for them. That that gets me that gets me excited yeah. for them. Yeah. So what's the the next stage after this? Next stage is it kind of uh, blends in a little bit with discovery, and I think it's where uh, it, it's like your awareness stage where it's it's still a newbie. Right. So but, you know, you know, you're interested and, um, you know, you found those sites, but now you're looking at them every every day. Right. You're looking at you You found out about Kickstarter. You found out about, again, Reddit. You found out about um, Dice Tower, the podcasts and then finding out the podcast to listen to. What do you want to what what's interesting? What what designers are interesting? What's the BGG top 100 or top 500 and, and what games might possibly be new there, right? And, um, uh, under, so you, and you figure out what, what the differences are. You, you understand what Euro versus Ameritrash are because you, you, you're, you're in all these forums and, and, and posts and you see, uh, you know, Euro or Ameritrash and like, what is that? You know, and you try to find out more. You find out what a deck builder is, a worker placement, right? Just knowing you become – it's really diving into it. You're a newbie, but you're sitting there learning and and um, understanding better what, what it's all about. Uh, personally, for me, this is where I think this is the start of me diving <laughs> into the deep end. So I think around this time I actually was – I would say around the newbie time was when I first – read about this, the, the stages, you know, I, I, I read a lot of posts from people who, who said they'd been in the hobby for a long time. And one of the things they always said was, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't buy everything. Don't spend the money on that stuff because it's really, uh, you know, you're not going to play all of it. You need to think about what, play what you have, right. Appreciate what you have, play what you have. And don't worry about, um, don't, don't worry about, Getting acquiring all this stuff, right? The, the 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 hype or whatever it is that's new, you don't need all of it. And I saw it, and I got it. I, I understood where they're coming from, 
but I didn't care. <laughs> I just like, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> this Kickstarter game looks awesome, and I was this is when I was just like, I had, I think I had, you know, backed a hundred games in in the first year or two, like each year. It's, oh it's, wow, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. And so, um, on that note, I will say that I've been to Howard's house from our early discussion, and he has the most amazing collection <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> It is impressive. That could be taken good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for everyone on this podcast and listening. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> we appreciate that stuff. Yeah. Maybe not the wife no. so much, but <laughs> or sneaking up, sneaking And uh, what's your what's your next one, Steve? So my next one it actually kind of lines up with yours. I call it a little bit differently. I call it purchase a collection. So I feel like after you're aware of the hobby, the next step is you know just buying and acquiring and i feel like that kind of lines with yours and that you just start buying whatever you feel like that interests you you kind of like you you don't have a, a good sense of direction yet but things you get inter- your things you're interested in you just go ahead and acquire it and you just start building this collection up at some point yeah, yeah. i i um i think this actually segues into the next stage um a little bit better and i think i i might have crossed into that a little bit with the 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 last one with the um, newbie because the next one is crazed (laughs) and that definitely (laughs) defined me right because i was i was i was looking at cool stuff inc every single day i was watching their clearance section i was watching the miniature market clearance section i was watching kickstarter what are the new projects that came out today what's about to come out um, they're watching the, the hotness track. There's a kick track site. I don't even know if that's around anymore being used, but kick track would tell you the number, the, the, the top funded games within each category. And I, I looked at Kickstarter. I looked at, um, um, BGG, the, like I said, the BGG top 100 to 500. And I basically go through, um, that list and look at every single one that I think, Oh, I might like that. Oh, I might like that. And then I would, I would get it. Like I, you know, I'd wait a while, I'd get a bundle and then I get, get them in. And, you know, the wife would be seeing every uh, two weeks or so, like, Oh, there's another big box for you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Give it to me. I'm going upstairs. Leave me alone. (laughs) So, so it was that I definitely got crazed in. And I think this is a good time to talk about how, Steve and I are definitely very different gamers and different approaches. Like I, I, I love the way Steve uh, takes um, treats games, right? He uh, and Steve, I'm kind of speaking for you here, but I'm just giving you my perspective of of what you do. But you, you do a lot of research. You read the rule books, which you enjoy, and I think you're crazy still. But the sickness. It, it's it's definitely a sickness, and I just don't get it. But I actually wouldn't mind that sickness. Like I don't know if you can you can give it to me, but uh, but but you know you you do your research up front, and then when you get a game, you you know you're gonna like that game, and then you spend time with that game. Like you, the plays of the games that you love are just blow my mind. You you're definitely you're definitely about depth and rather than breath. And my approach is is just breath because I'm just like. Give them all. I, I want to try it all. I, I think it all looks good, and you know, and then um, so yeah, that, that I'm, I went, I got crazy. Yeah, and I, I will elaborate a little bit on that. That kind of ties it to my number five, which is uh, comprehension of your taste. And I think what you alluded to was that. So at least for me, I, I immediately did the same thing where 
first learned about the hobby, I'm like, oh, there's all these cool games. I want to buy this. I want to buy this. Mm-hmm. I want to buy this. And I just felt like uh, my I didn't have a ton of funds, and I at the time, but it's, I mean, I still don't have a ton of funds either. But um, I wound up buying probably more than I should have, and I kind of wish I had the advice up front, be like, hey, don't worry about getting all these new hotness stuff. There's always gonna be new stuff coming out that might interest you. Go and take your time with it. And kind of what you're alluding to now, Howard, is the what no, the point I was saying here is the comprehensive of my taste. Like now, I feel like I've played enough games where I know what my tastes, what my what I line to, what my wife will like, what my people around me will like, and I kind of have a, a decent confidence around if I buy this game, it will see play or not. And that's where I wind up the deciding my if my purchase around. Yeah, and I. I admire your your uh, your control, Steve, and I definitely try to try to emulate. Although I think I still failed ter- terribly at it. Um, that does. <laughs> I don't worry. <laughs> I wish I could play more games like you do too. So it's a the grass is yeah, always green. Exactly. <laughs> that that does go into the next phase, which for me, which is um, it's, it's realization, right? So so. Um, uh, 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 Steve, I'd, I'll, I'm going to provide some links where you can add into the show notes. There are sites that have this defined, and um, the definition of, of uh, the, the site that I got this from is um, realization. It's it's reality starts to set in, or you're going broke. <laughs> Either way, you realize it's hard <laughs> to find the people in time to play games at the rate that you are buying them, and that's exactly it, right? Because so I yep. bought, I got all these Kickstarters. There's, there's a big problem with Kickstarter, okay? Um, and and it took me a long time, and and it was a costly uh, uh, lesson to learn. And again, I was told this up front, okay? So <laughs> I don't have anyone to blame but myself. <laughs> but I, I, I get, I backed all these projects, and you know, I was most of them were, were funded uh, successfully, and they delivered, right? So I, I was pretty lucky there. But, um, I mean, I still have one or two that have, a, have been a problem, but most of them were good. But at the same time, once they're delivered, like you got to think you're, you, you get a project and most of these best case scenario, you're, you're getting them six months down the line. Worst case, it's going to be years, right? So most of these games, by the time I get them, um, I, I, my interest is definitely waned, right? And, and it's only the really big ones that your interest kind of just carries through. And the ones that are, you know, not you, you, you weren't exci- that excited about in the first place. It's not you, you don't um, you, you, when you want you once I get them, once I get those games, I'm just like, OK, yeah, I'll play those later. And, and I never get around to them just because I'm already moving on to the next thing. Right. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's going through this. But I think if 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 anyone's out there looking at Kickstarter, you know, all the time and, and thinking that they're going to play all these games, I, I, I don't think you will. Maybe maybe you will. And you're you're better. You'll be better than I was, but um, I've definitely learned that with with Kickstarter, um, for the most part, I, I'm I'm proud that to not have as many projects back, even though I still do back them um, for the ones that I know I'm going to get. Like when I'm really excited about right now is, is Batman, right? Batman Gotham Adventures game, and um, I've wanted a good Batman game ever since I started the hobby and. It's never happened. It hasn't happened yet. So I'm hoping this is my, you know, my my Grail Batman game. So that one I'm really excited about. But really, it takes something like that to really get me to back a Kickstarter game these days. Or if it's a proven company with a game that I already know I like, I'll I'll back it. But then otherwise, you know, in the most case, like what we were talking about in the news, 
if I have, um, if I know that it's going to, um, you know, it's probably going to come out, right? Like the uh, Block City, right? You already said it's funded. I'm like, okay, I'll just wait. You know, it's funded. It's going to come out. I'll, I'll just wait until it comes out and see what the feedback is. I'm, if I can't get it, you know, when it comes out, I'm sure I'll be able to get it sometime. Um, Spirit Island was like that. I, I, I knew that, you know, there was some buzz around. I remember you talking about it, Steve, but then, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, it looks cool. We'll see. And then when it came out, it's like, oh, that sounds really cool. So I was able to get a copy. I mean, there's definitely a, the, the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out in this hobby where you, you, there's always that fear of if I don't get this now, then it, it's, it's going to be worth, it's going to be like $200 to get it later, right? So it's better for me to get it now and just take that chance. Well, most of the time you take that chance and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> so, and, and there's even the, you know, Vassal's, Vassal's got his, uh, Tom Vassal has his Vassal law where if it's good, it'll get reprinted. And I think for the most part, it's probably true. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of the realization with Kickstarter. And then on top of that, I talked about with, with, uh, BGG, um, top 100 and, and 500 and going through all those games. I mean, I got all these games and, realization part of this realization phase is really understanding what what kind of gamer you are right and i'm generally with hobbies that i get into i like to figure out on my own right and that's why i I jumped in and i'm like i want i want to try everything and then you know once you once i play for a while i'm like oh i'm actually i think i'm more of a meritrash gamer and i do appreciate the euro mechanics but i really i really want that theme in order to to really um get into a game and i know that about myself now but I only know that because I, I bought all these. I mean, if you look at the BGG top 100 or 500, a majority of those are Euro games. And I got all these Euro games, but a lot of them, they're still sitting in shrink. I never got around to playing them. I didn't want to learn them. I didn't wasn't inspired to learn them. And then um, they're just sitting there. And it's sad. And, you know, and I've called a lot of these. Some of them I'm still holding on to because I think. Oh, I have. I know I'm gonna like that game. I just haven't played it yet. But you know, I I think deep down I know that I'm probably not gonna get it. Get to it. And it's just gonna get cult. So really, that was kind of like a you know I'm, that's a that's a realization as well. It's just you know there's all these games out there. If you have the opportunity to try them out first before you can before you own them, that that's the best way you can do it. I think if you if you have that opportunity to do it, that's the best way. Otherwise, I think Steve's way is the right way to do it. Where you you do some research. Maybe read the rule book. Maybe you get rule books better than me because it's hard for me. I need to, I need to put the pieces out and walk through a turn and figure it, really figure out a game. Um, Steve can read a rule book and be like, oh yeah, I know how to play that. <laughs> I don't like it. You know, or I think that's a great game. And, um, I don't know how you do it, Steve, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my, uh, rant on realization. Yeah. It's some really good points there. And I think the other thing that's key to know about Kickstarter is it's so easy to not realize how much you've purchased. Yep. Um, because you back something and you know, like you said before, there's a, there's a significant delay between when you back it and when you actually receive the product and all doing that whole time, there's new stuff coming out. Oh, yeah. I want this. Oh, I want this. I want this. And at some point you get to the point where like it arrives at your front door, like, Oh wait, I, I backed this. That's right. And Oh man, I have how many games <laughs> coming now? Oh, okay. I need, I yeah. need to cut back. So, <laughs> but I think, I think we've all been there and, I mean, I wish there was a better way of knowing your tastes other than, you know, buying these games. If you're lucky enough to have a library near, near you. I mean, I know uh, for you, Howard, you're pretty fortunate having a Mayhem uh, near you. That's May- Madness. They, they actually don't have a library, though. There are some other game stores that have it. The nice thing about that one is that they 
there's so many gamers that go there. You really, you can just go there and just like, you know, walk up to somebody and say, Hey, can I, can I join in, you know, and you can play some, some games, but um, there is another uh, place that we had uh, that I have here. It's, it is a, it's a club. It's called Dallas games month gaming monthly. And every once a month, they actually have a whole weekend where you can go in there. Um, they have a whole library of games you can play. And, um, you know, people, people that frequent that all the time. So, um, there were opportunities. I, I didn't like it as much because I think if I wanted to play the game I want to play, I still had to sit down and learn it. And at that point, I need to be, I, I'd be sitting there trying to learn a game versus playing games with somebody else. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it, it I, 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 I completely agree with you, Steve. If, if, if there's any opportunity where, you know, as a, as a new gamer, you need to, you, you're trying to figure out what do you like. I think if you, look for the look for opportunities where you can rent the game or try just try it out without buying that'd be optimal so what's your uh, next stage the next stage is uh embracing so you have now you you understand your taste you've accepted that you're going to be a board gamer for life and you know what your friends and family will tolerate and I, wait this is this is for life <laughs> i didn't i didn't read that fine print you got you now steve <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> oh, yeah, embracing. So, um you've accepted that the house is part of the hobby. <laughs> you've you've got a dedicated room for your games and um you've convinced your significant other that that this is this is happening. This is going to stay. And uh and then you're also calling. You're you've again, you've 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 learned your taste. You know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know what you're not going to play, right? And and sometimes it's hard because you have that game that maybe it's sentimental. And I think that for me, that right now might be Catan. Um, I remember I have lots of, you know, I really enjoyed that game. My wife still really enjoys it. So that's probably one of those things, even though I, I'm probably not going to play it that much. But at the same time, I can't call it because it's it's Catan, you know. So, um, right. So, so the uh, um, I think that's, yeah, just accept it, acceptance, I guess. Yeah, that was uh, ties into my next stage as well. I labeled it culling and trimming of your collection. You're you're at the point you've got a nice collection. You kind of know what you want. Well, now it's time you're reaching your your max size of your ideal collection, or maybe you just have have enough of these games you're not going to get played, and you wind up starting to uh, call them out and kind of replace them with with stuff you know you're going to play. Yeah. So yep, agreed. Yeah, and and I think this one this so this one actually this other this other point I want to talk about actually isn't in the the stages that i that i was re- that i was referencing but i almost feel like right now i'm kind of i'm in that embracing but i'm also in that I, i'm kind of curmudgeon i feel com- like a curmudgeon sometimes because i'll i'll play a game that i don't enjoy and i i don't i i, I just i know i'm not going to enjoy it so um, or, or if I just hear about a game, I'm just like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to play it. Right. Whereas oh, I feel like when I first got into the hobby, I'm like, yeah, I want to play it. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I don't care. You know, I want to play everything. But now I'm at the point where like, well, I know I don't like that kind of game, so I'm not going to play it because I don't want to waste my time playing that. <laughs> so that's where I get the curmudgeon from because, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. But, um, sometimes I feel, I feel curmudgeon yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair point. I think I've felt that as well, maybe maybe to a little bit lesser extent, because I've had some interesting experiences where, like Small World, for example, I I didn't think I was gonna like it, but I sat down and played it. I actually wound up loving it. And same thing with a uh, Chaos and Old World. 
So I've had a few surprises where I didn't think it was a like a game and, and it really surprised me. So for me, at least, I'm normally willing to sit down and play any game at least once. But I think I'm to the point now, a little bit of convergence, where my expectations, like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like this. And it winds up being fairly true or my... It, it, I do have a fairly decent confidence in what what my own likes and dislikes are yeah, going to be. Yeah, exactly. But then, but then it's that point of okay, I'll still try it. But then halfway through the game, or like whenever that point is, where you're like, okay, yeah, this is what I thought it was going to be, and then now I have to sit through this game. <laughs> right? That's that's where yep, that that's where exactly. that conversion for me comes out. I'm just like, I'm not enjoying myself, you know. And a recent <laughs> a recent example of that was actually Alien Artifacts because. You know, I was like, okay, these mechanics are cool. Like, I heard some things about it, but I'm going to give it a try. But then I got in the middle of it, and just some of the, the randomness just really turned me off. And I was just like, I just want this game to be over. Uh, so what's uh, your last the stage? The last stage, and I don't, I don't, I'm definitely, I don't think I'm close to here yet, but it's called Guru. You've now played thousands of board games. You have multiple gaming groups. You under You understand exactly... Uh, what you personally enjoy and don't enjoy, and you have thoughtful discussions on board games. Um, your collection is perfect for everything that you like, and if any new game wants to enter that collection, is going through a trial by fire. So I'm not there yet. <laughs> so <it's laughs> yeah, I think I'm on the. I'm not there yet either. I think I'm maybe on the way a little bit, but I got I got ways to go. So. <laughs> Cool. So that was our uh, stages of a board game. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, Steve. I just want to say thank you so much for for inviting me on the show. I, I uh, you know, we we talk daily, but um, I still enjoy doing this with you. Yeah, there's a lot of fun. Well, uh, have you come back on again? So I will also mention that in the show notes, I'll put the list of both these stages we have down. And you can see the list I assembled and the the list that Howard referenced, and you can kind of compare them yourselves. But uh, yeah, that's going to be our episode for today. Feel free to send your questions and comments to on Twitter at, at MVPBoardGames or Gmail at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. And if you have any upcoming news or games you want us to discuss, that's fair. Send us our way too. We'll do the best to cover what we can. And join us next week when Mike and Peter join to cover a board game and follow up with a highly detailed design discussion. That's going to wrap up our episode 30. So thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Catch you later at the next stop. And maybe have a God bless you in the middle of a game. And what this blessing is, bless you. <laughs> oh, that's staying in the podcast. <laughs> I felt like I needed a that. sneeze. <laughs> <laughs>that's a great point howard so let's start in with the first stage or (laughs) i told you i was gonna screw up way more than you no i like it i'll worry about this (laughs) okay i gotta i gotta ask but i i does everyone else have that vision in their mind that when they get old and retire and they're like in an old folks home we're just gonna all retire the same old folks home. oh that would be amazing Oh my god, yes, we just pull all of our collections together and our retirement funds, and we just play games all day, and we go to Essen when it comes around in Chen Con. How awesome would that be? There you go.